Mount Greylock is the tallest natural point in Massachusetts. At 3,491 feet above sea level, it rises above the Berkshire County town of Adams, bisected by a portion of the Appalachian Trail. The peak and its historic monument are constantly shrouded in mist and fog, and often beset by unpredictable weather. And the quiet summit possesses mystical qualities that have inspired great American writers like Nathaniel Hawthorne and Herman Melville. Well, now it seems it has inspired a very famous British writer, and now plays a very pivotal role in expanding the universe of J.K. Rowling's Wizarding World. Are the lights on? Good. Welcome to Listen with the Lights On. I'm Jessica Blaustein Marshall. And I'm Patrick Garrett. Far across the oceans and thousands of miles from the legendary Hogwarts, high atop Mount Greylock, hidden by forest, cloud, and spell, stands one of the greatest secrets of the magical world, Ilvermorny School of Witchcraft and Wizardry. J.K. Rowling's newest extension of the Harry Potter lore is detailed on Pottermore.com in her new web-based series, Magic in North America. The Hogwarts equivalent is called Ilvermorny. It has four houses, just like Hogwarts, and was founded by a benevolent descendant of Salazar Slytherin, who came to America on the Mayflower. And what makes Mount Greylock, which is steeped in its own lore already, a good setting for the wizarding world? We asked novelist and Williams College professor of English literature, Allison Case. Well, I think partly because it's got this absolutely spectacular tower at the top of it that is obviously magical. It is a very magical place. Um, and as you said, it's it was in, an inspiration to uh, Hawthorne and Melville, two of the, the sort of stranger and more mystical writers of uh, the American canon. So it, it makes perfect sense to me. Mainly because this area is such a hotbed for so many stories. Do you think that, you know, maybe J.K. Rowling will use some of those those roots to tell her new story? I hope so. I'm sure she's a great reader. You know, so much of, of what she has promoted around Harry Potter has been kind of bringing people back to reading. So I'm hoping that she has either has read or will be reading a lot of Hawthorne and Melville, and and I'm sure it would really enrich any Potter work in the area. I'm just I'm really looking forward to seeing like just what will come of it. Like there's the books that she uh, that she's writing that are coming out with it. There's the play that she has uh, in London. There's so many different things that are just spawning out of this. And this the new movie that's coming out, Fantastic Beasts and Where to Find Them, was all based off of a small book that was just a, a spin-off almost, just for mm-hmm. fun. And then it developed into this whole new movie scene and has spawned more stories along with it. I'm just looking forward to seeing, like, in the movies they had nearly headless Nick, who was a ghost mm-hmm. who walked around the castle, to see if there's any of those, if she'll just create her own which she's notorious for doing, or if she'll bring some of that history that's from the region into her uh, movies. I mean, I I think she has an unbelievably fertile imagination for for creating figures who are familiar but not identical to figures from folklore and stuff like that. So I would I would guess we're going to get more of that than than recycling of actual characters. I mean, presumably. 
you know, some of the folklore will will find its way in there, as it certainly, you know, a lot of British folklore finds its way into the Harry Potter series. That was going to be my next question, too. I mean, how much of a role does folklore play in British literature overall? There's uh, certainly a lot of um, fairies and elves and, and, you know, the a lot of, of British folklore... And, Maybe this is true of true of a lot of folklore. Is this this sense of the land being inhabited by all kinds of invisible magical creatures, and very localized magical creatures? Um, you know, each region has its own uh, its own versions. So Rowling, you know, makes use of all of that, but she also, you know, transforms it. But she's definitely drawing on all of it. And uh, so I would assume, and I would hope that she would do the same thing here. Are you are you a fan? Have you been reading Pottermore at all? <laughs> um, I read this piece because uh, I was very excited. Um, you know, I'm already kind of thinking over the region, thinking, well, where are the p- particularly magical places? Um, I'm convinced that that um, I live in an old stone church, and uh, I'm convinced that it's it's probably a, a magical back door to the school on Mount Greylock. But <laughs> <laughs> if you find that, please let us know. I, I will let you know. Yeah. Maybe like um, a Hogsmeade kind of place. Yeah. Like, yeah. A, like an entry. Yeah. Hogsmeade was the town, right? Was it that, right. Yes. Right. So, you know, sort of thinking through places you can hike to and, and stuff like that seem like likely to be particularly magical. People always talk about the weather on top of Mount Greylock. There's uh, lightning storms and thunderstorms always mm-hmm. coming through the region. And people say they see lightning come down and strike the top. I believe there's a lightning rod up there. Mm-hmm. And uh, I'm just, I think that will be cool to see if she plays any of that weather into mm-hmm. this story too. Because, you know, New England's very, I guess, notorious for its weather. Same it's as true. England. <laughs> Very cool. Well, thank you so much for taking the time to join us today. It's a pleasure. Thank you. Maybe we'll see you on top of Greylock. Yes. We also asked John Dudek, who manages the Bascom Lodge at the summit of Mount Greylock, what he thought about all the Harry Potter attention. I I know she does uh, extensive research before she starts writing, but uh, it's amazing that she even knew about Greylock. I mean, uh, it's not exactly one of the western mountains that um, towers above the landscape and has... uh, international um, renown. For what ghost stories is Greylock already known? One of the most popular legends has it that the ghost of a bedraggled Union soldier can be seen climbing the Bellows Pipe Trail. A fellow named William Saunders returned home from war and his wife, thinking him dead, remarried. So the poor guy climbed the trail and lived as a hermit at the top until his death. Locals refer to him as the Old Coot, and his ghost is said to always be seen climbing up the mountain and never down it. That's because he's going to the school. Right. <laughs> thanks to Allison Case and John Dudek for joining us, and thanks to Jim Lavulis for production help. Have you seen any spirits or magic afoot atop Mount Greylock? Email us at lightson at wamc.org. Thanks for joining us. Listen with the Lights On is a production of WAMC. Our theme music is Grizzly Reminder by Midnight Syndicate. For more spine-tingling tales, check out our podcast or head over to wamc.org.